back to work woman. Yeah, work woman in the house. That was a little too much. Okay, as you can tell, I was gonna introduce you, but you just like did that. I'm so. just so excited to be on your show. Oh, how excited are you? I'm big time excited. Big time? Wait, why not this big? Why is it only this well, big? Well, I didn't want to hit the microphone. But like, your arms go longer. <clears throat> no, your arms are long. My arms are short, so I don't like to show exactly how, how short they are. Is that you got little alligator arms? Yeah, only when it comes time to pay, pay the, the bill. bill. Little alligator bill. All right, uh, this is a very serious episode and one that we are so excited to come at you with. It's kind of our first BNN episode, N and B. We're still working out the name of these whole things. Oh, are you already stressed? This is a botch start. What do you mean? This is great. This is to what the a people massively potential show people will love this and you know it because you love it and i can see it in your little face so this episode what's of what this episode of work woman we are talking about how we scaled cardone ventures over 18 months from zero revenue to 25 million in revenue you know we were talking about this we were talking about this uh, yesterday with the team mm -hmm. but it took me 14 years from startup with Autogy to get to 25 million, and we've done it in 18 months. Wild, so freaking wild. This episode is gonna be juicy. I feel like this is gonna be one of those landmark episodes for us because we're going through the 10 ways that this has happened and how other people can scale and duplicate this. So are you ready? You ready to get rolling? Let's we do planned it. I this. Just a little behind the scenes. We did a, she asked me a what brief 10 ways outline. I would recommend. Yeah, he's scale like, he's, this is so full of with shit. With all my experience and mm. skills mm -hmm. as Tell a me thought more. leader. Tell me more. Operator, mm -hmm. marketer, mm -hmm. promoter. Badass bitch. Ability to surround myself <laughs> and hire great people. All those things. Uh, I think Brennan contributed half and I contributed half. Uh, you getting ready for a prenup show? Pretty much. 50-50, baby. It's you and me till the end. Uh, Done. 50-50 okay. is something. Lock that in. <laughs> Number one. See, people love this shit. Uh, I, know people I love, love this shit. shit. That's I why love I love you. you. Oh. oh. Okay, can we get serious now? Like, we're trying to record a podcast here. It. Okay, first thing that you have to do if you are at zero is define would you thank you because you're over the microphone will I, already set you up and told you that oh my gosh should i kick him off the show yeah. like i could just go through the 10 things right now all by myself you could because i told you what they oh were oh my gosh okay whatever it's <laughs> not true them. it's not true all right what are the 10 50 things? 50 it really was uh you 50 percent was typing it in the phone my 50 percent no. was giving you the content <laughs> you're such a okay. liar all right let's go and we'll say which things because people will know my voice versus your voice because i put in parentheses what you <laughs> said and what i said so the uh -huh. first thing you have to define where you are going. Can we just like briefly go back to the first few hires for Cardone Ventures? They were big, they're big hires for the organization. And the only reason that you can get in talent that you need is because you're able to paint a big picture of where the business is going. And business owners mess this up. They think that they're just gonna like piecemeal this team together and not really hire top performers in the beginning. Part of the advantage of having success is that you have a pool of people you've already developed. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, uh, it was really important. There was two people I needed, to, and it was you and Heather, mm -hmm. because we had done it before. Did you just say you needed me? 
there's two people I wanted to help me, Aww. and it was you and Heather. Because it's okay. because it's okay. you can say I need you. I'll say, I'll say it first. I need you. It's bad to need, but great to want. Yeah, he tells me this all the time. That's true. So, but you did just say you needed me, so I know. Well, I I did need you actually. So still do. So uh, yeah, I'm a hundred percent. So the uh, um, defining the, where you're going. Yeah. So so if you don't have a big picture, like you can't get other people excited or enthusiastic to join you, mm -hmm. and if they don't see how they can have their success inside of your success, mm -hmm. then then why would they join you? And you can't make it hard at first. Like if you, when you think about it, it's oftentimes just done backwards because you want people that you don't have to babysit when you're first, when you're first starting is when you're most insecure if the idea is gonna work, if it's all gonna go right. But most people start with too small of a picture in the first place. Okay. So so what happens is they started out and they're like, oh, I just wanna get to a million or I just wanna get to 10 million, but they don't know what that picture looks like so they don't communicate it because they're they don't want to put it in the universe because they don't want to fail they don't want to look bad they don't want to they don't want to they don't want people to think or judge them so what happens is people go start something and they don't talk about how big they want it to be or what they want that destination to be and they figure it out along the way mm -hmm. so it just comes across as small to everybody mm -hmm. and so hiring thought leaders or people who are exceptional at something or have a, a massive talent is very difficult when you're not talking about the opportunity for them to succeed inside of what you're doing. Yeah, and if you're not building it with that intent, you're never gonna bring the people around you that can actually help you blow it up. And, and a lot of young uh, business owners or a lot of inexperienced business owners. Now, inexperienced isn't because you just started, because I meet a lot of inexperienced business owners that have had their business for 20 or 30 years. Mm, so uh, true. So inexperienced business owners won't talk about what's in it for the team that joins them. They mm -hmm. talk about what they want. Mm -hmm. And so they're never gonna attract somebody who wants to succeed uh, at a high level because they're always gonna think it's about the business owner. And what'll happen is when they do attract somebody who can execute at a high level, they leave because they think that they can't pursue their goals underneath the business owner. So inadvertently, I call it the entrepreneurial dilemma. Uh, they run off all the good people that could have helped them because their vision wasn't big enough and they didn't align those people's success inside of their success. So just don't do those two things and you should be great. Guys, I mean, I feel like the podcast could be over at this point because of how much value was just in that. Like if people could really nail that, they would be much more successful even no matter what phase they're at in the business cycle. But we're going to hit you with nine other things. So oh my gosh, this should be a, this buckle, should be a nine part uh, podcast. A nine part we'll give, podcast. Them, we'll give them the tips and then they have to pay to release the answers. See, this is, this is why he is an entrepreneur. Okay, number two. My definition of number two was sell shit. Brandon's was promote, promote. So let's talk about this. So you define where you're going. You have to put the stake in the ground of this is where you're going. The next step is not to build the thing that is going to take you there or to get all in your head about what does the website need to look like and I need to learn SEO. It is to start selling shit. So you're bypassing two Ps, but you're summarizing both Ps. You can't sell shit if you don't promote. Like, like, it's the same thing. Uh, I know I'm saying that in, the, in my piece, it's promote and then profit, right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking, you're combining that and you're saying like sell shit. That statement means you have to transact. Right. And you got to generate money. Right. And I think that's a, believe it or not, 70% of the businesses start with trying to build a process and trying to hire people and they never learn to promote and mm -hmm. they never learn to create a profit and they don't know how to sell shit. See, I think what's missed 
um, and it's it's not that you miss it, it's that people hear you wrong, is when people hear the word, you need to start promoting your thing, they go to this place of, I need to do marketing. It's not, I need to promote, like push the activity. I think of the promote that we talk about as as just everything you do being a touch point. It's not, when you say promote, sure, a website is part of your promotion, sure, an ad is part of your promotion, but a lot of people, especially early on, get really bogged down by the mechanics of, well, what should the font be and what should the brand guy well, be? Well, Take promotion. the here. Right, that's, I, that's them getting. But that's I know them that's trying, you. What you're saying, and that's saying, why promote, I'm going why to. Why you're doing it? Who you're doing it with? With the value to other people. And that's why, why I'm going care. to like sell shit. But you, you, you. That's why I said you consolidated two things. Yeah. Do you kind of like it? Sell shit. Uh, yeah. You took uh, uh, two concepts and you reduced it down to two words. That is efficiency. That's the beautiful thing about Natalie. She's very. Finest. She's very simple. I am very simple. Why are you laughing? You're not. You're highly complicated. But you have the ability to deduce things down to simple concepts. I just want to be told I'm loved like 22 times a day, and this is pretty much it. I love you. I love your ideas. I I, I love your expressions. Oh my god! Thank you. So sweet. (laughs) Do you want to move on? I'm golden for another 30 minutes. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. It's kind of how things work. All right. Number three. Hire, and the next part is important. Hire because. You've sold shit. So you decide where you're going, you sell shit, and then you hire because you've sold shit. You don't hire before you sell shit. Yeah, well, that's the problem. 70% of businesses are started by technicians. And they think the what's gonna sell itself until they don't generate any money, and then they hire someone and expect them to sell it for them. Um, we are taking the briefest pause. Thank you. We need this. a little bit of uh, pump me up. So what happened here, ladies and gentlemen, is she Natalie. Oh, let's hear his side of the Natalie story. Natalie had somebody wait. pick her up our favorite drink uh, for her. Um, they He's did had not, this drink two times. I've had this drink 50 times. Me. So since she was busy in a meeting, I drank all of her drink. And I felt so bad, I decided to get us both a drink. That was very cheers. nice of you. Yeah, cheers. Okay. Well, I won't be. I mean, I was a little bad because he mm. drank it without even asking. Mm. So hire because you sold shit. I, for me, this is a reinforcement of you have sold something and then you're going to staff because it's this idea of you're committing to getting your product out there, getting your idea out there. It's not so much testing the market's appetite, although that should be a piece of it, right? Is saying, okay, are people actually interested in buying this? If well, I'm remember two thirds of all it? businesses fail, right? Mm-hmm. Every five years cyclically. Are you telling top, me to remember? Are you telling top, them to remember? Uh, the people listening. Remember uh, the you top and your three car. chief complaints for failure is no demand for product or service. Mm-hmm. This, is what you're, this is why you're saying, before you go and try to put a bunch of money after something, Learn to sell shit. Yes. Because if you can't generate the demand for your product or service, you're certainly never going to hire anybody to do it for you. Right. And then as you hire people, the hiring of them is the commitment to you being successful and creating a product. selling shit. Right. But it's not- Not of creating the product, but selling the product. Right. But you can hire people once you've sold the product. You don't have to hire. It's it's this back- That's why business owners go out of money. And then then the third chief complaint is- Three complaints. Think about this. No demand for product or service. Can't hire any good people to help me. Mm-hmm. That's a cop out for I can't sell my own shit. Yeah. And the third reason is can't get financing. That's another cop out because if you can't sell your own shit, who's going to give you any money? Right. Those are facts with a big F. Big F. We also just talked about another F. What, what did you call? Oh, a flaky fuck. I don't use that language on your podcast. 
why, why? You shouldn't be using that language. Oh a, my a gosh. Are you going to reprimand like me? This is my podcast. I get to do whatever the flaky fuck I want to do. Fire fast. This is number four. So Ooh, fire fast. Those are two F's. F squared. Oh my gosh. Let's, let's create another series. So you hire because you've sold something, which means you, as a business owner, you have a commitment to fulfill your word for, for creating the product that you've now sold to your clients, right? But then you have team members in place. They are still assembling, they're um, fulfilling in whatever type of business you're in. But you have to get rid of them just as fast as they self-select out of your brand promise or your core values. These yeah, things the all have is, to be. If you can't transfer. You've interrupted me every single time. Like, can I just like finish a sentence and then you talk? You're using a lot of words. Well, it's a podcast. Can you deduce the words now? Do you want me like to just stare? Points? Do you want me to stare at the microphone? Well, stop reading what I wrote and just tell everybody. What do you mean stop reading? I'm putting, I, I literally, all it says is fire fast. You want me to just say that? Guys, these are the 10 ways to grow your business. Actually, you're onto something right now. You, first way was what? Sell shit? No, you define where you're going. Oh, you need to turn that into two words because then your second thing was sell, sell shit, shit and then it was fire fast. No, you it wasn't. Could, you forgot the hire. Oh, hire fast, hire slow, hire right. You should make a two word sequence of the 10 points. I'll bet you you could crush it, even getting written about, wrote about in articles, written about, wrote about, wroting about. Oh, somebody could have wroting you about it. You would never know by this interview that um, the business has had as much success as it's had because I think we both sound like idiots at this moment. But we're gonna like get back on track. You ready to do that? I'm, I'm here. It's your show. I'm just trying to be the entertainment value. I appreciate that. So we're back to firing fast. So you've hired. You have people in your environment. It is not this mentality that you should keep everybody that you originally hired in order to fulfill the product. It is your responsibility, especially when you are trying to reach from your first zero to 1 million to generating 2 million to 3 million to whatever extent you are looking to grow your business to remove people from the environment and do it quickly. Yeah, well, the, I, so first it's your also your responsibility to onboard those people with a specific intent versus abdicating to them. But once you do that, if they're not performing, then you have to demonstrate to the team that you're willing to remove the people who aren't serious about success. Walk me through that. You have, because I, I love, demonstrate your commitment to the team. Is that what you just said? Yeah, because- Demonstrate your commitment to the team. If you allow people, and usually it's a friend or relative that started early on with you, if you allow them to exist and underperform or not be serious, everyone will assume that's the culture you're creating. Because and at that point, you almost in those moments as a business owner are more committed to the customer than you are to your team when you allow that person to continue in the business because it's likely that that person is actually serving the, the customer in an okay way. No, I, I, I disagree with that statement. Um, I think when you're allowing mediocrity to exist within the organization, mm -hmm. you're not serving the customer. You're underserving the customer and you're underserving. But in the moment, see, but here's my, here's my issue. You're underserving your can we, business Can we flush well. this out? Can we flush this out for a second? Yeah, sure. Just say, you know what? I misstated that. No, no, You but can't underserve and be serving anybody. Let me, let me, let's put it this way. That salesperson that freaking crushes it for you, but mm -hmm. they don't show up on time, but they don't return in their weekly reports the way that they're supposed to. The they are underserving. The they they're underserving the team environment and you're not taking the team seriously, but it's likely, and that's why people keep them for so long, that the client is at least at a bare minimum satisfied 
I don't think so. The salespeople mm. aren't the service people. So but I if think we're talking about all. We didn't define which. I people. think the problem. Can you is, say I'm right that that was a good example? No, you just, can't. If you, say, have maybe, in the sales if you have people, you have people that aren't committed. And but they, in the sales and they, system, that's right, right? No, that what you're describing is somebody who becomes key man dependent, and the reason you don't get rid of them is because you tolerate their bullshit because you're afraid if they leave, nobody will sell your stuff because you don't know how to sell it. Right, or that front office person or but office manager. But you're not manager. serving your client. But You're the office manager has all the relationships with the client and everybody loves the office manager, but they put all these bullshit politics in the environment. You're not to the team. Yeah, but you're not serving your client if there's bullshit politics in the environment. But the, but the client oftentimes doesn't know that. Yes, they do. They feel it. Okay, well, this is... Um... They feel it. You can feel a business that isn't well run. You can feel a business that people aren't serious about. You can feel a business <sighs> because think, your experience will to, eventually decline. Can we decline. agree to disagree? No. Can we do that? No. Why because can't we agree to disagree? Until you run hundreds of one thing and see what that feels like, you can't make the claim that mediocrity Stop services anybody. Stop the madness. <laughs> Stop the madness. <laughs> I just I say mediocrity never prevails and it doesn't serve anybody. And I think he should put a pin in that. We're going to agree to disagree. Well, you can agree to disagree. Can you can you just demonstrate for all of these people on this you podcast? You would never allow anybody in this organization or environment to be um, just because they were hitting some sales goals. If they were reckless doers, they weren't doing it. I know, but you're not listening to me. What did but, I say originally? Can you repeat back to me what I you're said? You're saying that they're serving the customer, even though they may be serving the customer and they're not serving the business owner. I said, if if you're not serving the intention of the business, it's not serving anybody. Okay, well, we're going to leave this open to the audience. Um, I would Let's love your guys's. Yeah. Let's do a poll on Thank, it. But you gotta, what a great idea. But you gotta, great great that, idea. You gotta, I'm in you, the middle of saying this, and then you pipe up with that great idea. Because I'm a genius. Hey, listen, oh here's the thing. We, we have to agree on the language of are. the poll. No, oh, just hurry up. I well, want to move to the next you'll thing. You'll manipulate it with your move, words. I'm like, I'm over this because I know What's I'm right and thing? you're freaking wrong. And you're going to tell me that I'm right later when I prove to you my point, but I don't want to do it right now. Well, you just, just said the whole thesis of this whole bull point is fire fast. And then you're saying you can let people be mediocre in the environment. That's not, I, I never said that. When did I say you can let people be mediocre oh, in the well, environment? Oh, maybe the salespeople are serving the clients, no, but they're I said not the serving the business No, I said the reason that owner. you don't fire fast, and I was actually complimenting what your point was, is you have to show your commitment and demonstrate that to your team. Because oftentimes, a business owner allows this team dynamic to be created by a performer that from a client side, they're worried about the client relationship, but they don't really think of the implication. They don't put on the hat or the glasses to see through the lens of allowing this person in this team shows to the team that I'm not serious and that's going to what be what doesn't allow the business to grow and has very little to do with that impact that that team member is making with the client it has nothing to do with the client everything with the team but the business owner always thinks oh they have all these great yeah they justify and rationalize engagement and mediocrity yep I understand that all that right, was I'm better glad. said than the first time you oh, said it. Okay, I think we should I'm, pay these I'm glad back. I helped you clarify <laughs> oh your God. point. <laughs> That's is, what a mentor does. This is like sometimes. You get both. You get a mentor. Well, you get all three. You get a mentor, you get a boss, and you get a future husband. How I mean, lucky. Think how I. lucky you are. You ring the bell. <laughs> lucky. <am I. laughs> all right, mm. next one. Clear value proposition. What do you do? Why do you do what you do? And how succinct can you be with that in the marketplace in order to generate the revenue that you have targeted? You even pay attention to me and how he feels bad, guys. This is what's happening. I don't right feel now. bad at all. He I'm just trying bad. to get you keep moving over your microphone. He feels bad. Will and then he specifically looks, told you and then not he looks to hover at me over with your these eyes. But I'm so excited. Then move the microphone. There you go. You just want to get closer to me. That's what's exciting. So exciting. 
Um, clear value prop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is number, what number are we on? One, two, I should put numbers on I mean, three, what, what that bullet four. point. This is five. This is number what, five. what number five represents is exactly the excuse for the three reasons two-thirds of businesses fail. No demand for product or service. Well, because you don't have a value prop. Mm-hmm. Two, can't find anybody to sell stuff for you. Uh, that's because you don't have a value prop. Three, no one will give you money. Uh, that's because you don't have a value prop. Mm-hmm. So 100%. But we know so many business owners that start their business doing the what, mm-hmm. and they cannot articulate their value prop. Mm-hmm. They're already toast. They mm-hmm. just don't know it. They just have no idea. No and idea. And it's sad to see it because we see it. Now, if we can come along that. early enough and catch that for them, we fix it. But if we don't, they they get toasted. Yeah, because it's not hard to define it. And become so, a victim of circumstance. Right. But how even there's a lot of people in the consulting space or people who will go up on stage. Consultants are the worst. Are I mean, events. I'm cons- in the middle of a sentence. Can I finish my are- sentence? Can I just finish it? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, are you done? Oh, my God. Honestly, I just like I give up because I'm so exhausted. No, you don't. You continue. never give Go up. Ahead. Go nah, ahead. I, I no, just have fun with you. But you continue. never give up, by the way. You never give up. That's what I love about you. It's because in the long run, I'm always right. You're ten- and no, it's just because you have the tenacity and you have the desire to be right. And it fuels you to keep pushing until you find rightness. If you just listened to me, you'd find it faster. That's never true. <laughs> hey, can you move your cup so it's not in my lens? You don't. It's not in your lens. Oh, okay. Your cup is in your lens. Oh. Can you move your cup? This message was brought to you by Black Rock Coffee. Okay, on to the next six. Differentiate yourself. If you don't, then people will just think you're like everybody else. And isn't that the definition of average? So when you and I were going through this list, I said differentiate yourself first. Like, as I think about, we're we're using what has happened in Cardone Ventures as the framework for this podcast. And what I was just about to say in the value prop piece is there's a lot of people doing what we do but they don't do it the way that we do it. Yeah, well, and on the surface, there's a lot of people that say they do what we do, but they don't. A sentence well, there's nobody around does what here. We do. There's people that say they do things that we do. I was just going to say it. that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I was for, just clarifying for your listeners. You know what? I'm honestly, I think over the next week, over the next week, you guys, I'm going to actively try. It, it's like so rude to interrupt people. I'm actively going to try to interrupt him. And it's going to have to be something that I like write <laughs> on my hand in order to remember to do it. Cause it's like so rude and anti everything I believe in, I know. but just That's so that you, just so that you experience what it is like to have somebody interrupting you what every like? time you open what your sentence. Like? I'm just, what, what is it like? Tell me. No, I'm just, I'm, you're going to experience it. I don't have to anyway. tell you. You're going to experience it over the next week. Okay. Go, go on, whatever you're saying. I'm Continue. just, I'm just having fun with you. What was, what was your point? That you're making it not fun. Oh, I'm sorry. That is not what my intention is. Okay. Can you be you, patient you in said the communication bring, process? You said bring some fun to the show. But I, I did not say bring some fun to the show. You said show. don't be I'm, your boring, I'm, traditional, I'm typical fun self. all on my own. Um, I don't need you to bring fun to the show. Oh, okay. Go ahead and finish your thought then. I don't remember what I was freaking saying because you interrupted me well, so many times. Well, you wrote the bullet point down when I told it to you. So just tell everybody. You didn't tell it. To- oh, my gosh. I'm honestly like I've had I've had it up to here. All right. I'll let you roll. You're, you're, you promise. Can you not interrupt me until this podcast is over? Can you yes. try to make this commitment to me? I promise. Don't break your promises, Brandon Dawson. Never. Okay differentiate yourself. So what I was saying is there are people who can on the surface, then there's a lot of people who 
say similar things to what we say, do on the surface similar things to what we do, but the depth in how we do it is very different. And the, the problem that we're solving is very different because we know that there are not companies out there that do the things that we do in the way that we do them. And so you, when we were talking through these things, you wanted clear value proposition and to differentiate yourself. So when we had this conversation on the plane, it was enlightening and I wanted to open it up for you to be able to share what you meant by the difference of differentiating yourself versus having a clear value proposition. Now this is when you talk. Uh, there are so many people that make bold claims that all you have to do is apply their claims to questions that you ask them to show you that they're doing it. The logic is not very hard. So when someone makes these bold claims about what they do, then I always say the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your results. So you're like, oh great, now show me how you're doing that. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we're not asking anybody to just accept our bold claims. Mm -hmm. We're saying, We'll show you exactly what we're doing. Draft behind us. Mm -hmm. We'll show you every month what we do, every day what we do. Mm -hmm. Join our morning meetings. Use the same principles we use. Here's our bank accounts. Like mm -hmm. full transparency, just fall success. And I would challenge that there are no companies I know of that claim they do what we do, that A, have that transparency, and B, have broken their systems down to what to pieces that people can grasp understand and execute on uh and making e their success easy i just I, I don't believe there's anybody out there most consultants and advisors when you ask them to show you how they're doing it they work by themselves i mean they can't tell you how to grow and scale your business and create value when they're working by themselves that's a good point and i think that that's also twofold where the businesses that we work with we do open up Cardone Ventures to them. Part of this podcast is showing like our process folder and how we do one-on-ones. So we open up our internal systems and people experience our team at events. We're not, we don't hire, hire temp workers at our events. Like it is our team. You could ask any one of our teams how they experience these things. But then the second piece of this, and I think it's more important than the team piece, which is very early on the laser focus in highlighting your client's success. And it's not just focusing on highlighting, that's the end result, but it's your extreme focus, your like minute attention to detail on helping them get that success. And that was never lost, it was never for us, oh, we just wanna create this big thing and this massive thing and getting caught in where you're going, which was the first thing, you have to move really early on from this is where I want to go to, okay, today, what are the specific things that I can do in order to start building into that and to create examples? Because if you're not going to create examples, it, the good to great. I loved when I first started working at Audigy, this was a book that you introduced to the culture. Dis Walt Disney and the Disney company didn't become great when they were a hundred million or when they achieved a billion dollars. They started when they were just a little infant company being great and everything that they did that attention to detail was greatness focused well you kind of lose that sometimes when you're just focused on the vision and not making it a priority to be able to say here's the here's the work and the results and they speak for themselves i think the sad part is most businesses start not even knowing what that picture looks like they That's wouldn't true. even define what greatness would be when they started they just want something to work 
Mm. And and they, they start with such a low um, vision or mission that, you know, attracting remarkable people to help them scale that and grow it and be a part of it is just not going to happen because their vision's way too small, which is the premise of Grant's book, 10X Rule. You know, you need to 10X everything because that creates capacity or John Maxwell's law of the lid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 10Xing your lids allows other people to grow inside of that. But if your lid is really super low, there's no room in the jar for anybody else to play in your sandbox. So you trap yourself with having a, a very small picture of what's possible. Yeah, I just think that one of the things that you do that I so admire as a leader is make it your business to ensure that at every level, the client is experiencing success the client is going to experience growth. The client experiences your attention to detail, no matter who on the team they're working with. And a lot of visionaries, a lot of CEOs, don't actually take that on as their responsibility. And they get caught up in the vision and the partnerships and all of that stuff. And that's not you. You are just as technical and granular when you need to be as anybody working in the weeds and you likely know the process, in some cases, better than they do because you crafted it. Yeah, but I think that's because I was the previous person you described when I started my first company. Yeah. I was into doing the big deals and raising the capital and ringing the bell and being a big deal that I didn't pay attention to any of the details and it ultimately cost me all the opportunity that I had worked so hard to create. So once you own that, then you make the decision that's never going to happen again and it forced me to become granular. What you're talking about is granularity. It's like being very specific, very intentional. Jim Collins talks about productive paranoia and innovation is granular, incremental improvement on what you can prove works. And, and when I learned that, I never forgot it. And then I applied it backwards as a test to my failures and realized that's why I was failing. So I made a commitment to myself and to every business owner, every employee, the employees that work for business owners, that that won't happen to them as long as they trust and follow the guidance because I had to learn how to do it, which is why I was so successful uh, in my last couple iterations. Next up, we're on number seven, and we have a short, hot minute to wrap this up. So one of our dear friends shared this little tidbit with us. Number seven is revenue is, is vanity. Profit, profit is, is sanity. Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. The idea behind this, especially when you're at zero, is sure, the big revenue numbers sound great, but how much money are you actually making? What is the profit of the business? What are the profit centers of the business that you are putting resources behind and saying, okay, first we're gonna do this and we're gonna make this area and this center profitable and then we're gonna expand to this next one and then it's going to be the next one. But it's not this randomness of, oh, we're just gonna get all this revenue but not make any freaking money. And it's, it, I think it still does shock us sometimes how out of focus business owners oftentimes have this because they hear the big number but don't focus on the little number. We see it all the time. Every they, day. They, they, they throw, oh, I did 10 million in revenue. The analogy I'll give you is I just took delivery of my 1967 Mustang Eleanor. Could you imagine though, my friends coming over and I'm showing this car off and I'm bragging about it and they ask me to start it and I say, I can't because I don't have any money for gas. Mm. I'd look like a complete dipshit. Yeah, you would. And so many business owners do that with their business. That's a really nice little story you got going there. I would I would think that a, the plane would be a better analogy though, because like gas for a car does not cost that much, but 
fuel to an airplane is like a big expense. Well, Grant, remember Grant told us about some people that were, you know, bought airplanes and then they tell people not to use the bathroom because they didn't want to pay the $500 servicing fee when they landed. And it's like so ridiculous. If you can't afford to own a plane, you should not own a plane. Yeah. And my mom uh, dated a guy who was in the car business and he like he would drive like Rolls Royces, and but he would also sell them. And uh, I always remember her, growing up, she would say that in the negotiation process, if somebody was asking how much the fuel costs for the Rolls, like they sh they shouldn't be buying a Rolls Royce. Yeah. And it's the same with with your, the airplane. It's the same with employees, right? I don't know how it, explain how it's the same with employees. I was thinking it's the same with your overall business. It's like let's not focus. If you can't do the whole thing. How are we relating this to the business? Because uh, revenue is vanity, you, you profit to, is sanity. Do you want me to do that? Tie in? Happen well, I was to? gonna I was gonna try to come up with a good tie in. Okay, you I'll let you do it. it. I won't interrupt you. My tie in was going to be that the vanity is just owning the Rolls Royce, but the profitability is being able to keep up with the maintenance, keep up with the fuel, keep up with cleaning it, like all of the things that have to happen in order to care for this thing that is a high performer. So was my, that good or bad? No, that was great. Okay. My my analogy is when I bought my 430 Scuderia Ferrari. Yeah. My first Ferrari. And I had a lot of friends. First that, Ferrari. That I was had, a flex. I had my friends that had Ferraris and uh -huh. theirs were in their garage. They never drove them. And by the time I had 500 miles on my Ferrari, I had road rash on it. I had rock chips all over it. I had track miles. I had gone off track. And when my friends asked me, how could you do that? I said, I, I said easy. This is what I bought it for. If you can't afford to drive it like you stole it, mm -hmm. then why did you buy it? Just to show people it's in your garage. Like the, for employees, people go out and say, I want to hire employees, but they can't afford to pay the employees. They can't, they can't feed the employees. They can't nurture their employees. They can't provide inspire and provide opportunity because they're, they're throwing it at it. And they're saying, I have a business that generates revenue and I have these employees, but there is zero focus on the ability to maintain, sustain, or to drive it like you stole it. Drive it like you stole it. I love that you use your things. That's something that uh, I had to work my mindset out of over the last eight years of working around you is like things are created and you put things in your environment, you buy stuff to use it. And if you don't feel comfortable using it, you shouldn't freaking buy it. Well, people buy it because they want to have the status or, or, you know, I get some people buy it. It's like uh, artwork for mm -hmm. them. Right. And so they appreciate the fact they have it and they look at it, but then people come up and touch it. And like, no, 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 don't touch my car. For me, we were standing there when someone leaned on my Bentley and I just stood there and looked at them. They were taking a picture. They were so excited. At the end of the day, she here's started the, twerking on it. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Maybe but, like next week, maybe but, not on it. But, but what I, did you call it? You called it tweaking last night uh, yeah, when I told I your dad this story. Yeah, I was telling my story. But the point is it was comical, right? It's funny. Are we and tweaking or are we twerking? I'll never forget when I bought my Ferrari and I, I had maybe 50 miles on it and I pulled up to my friend's house and their little kids were sitting there drinking lemonade and sucking on popsicles and they were so excited they ran down the street and all the kids put their hands all over my car and the parent was mortified she was actually an FBI agent she was screaming at her kids and I said don't yeah I said don't yeah I said look this car is for one-year-olds and it's for 100 year olds everybody loves this car but she's like yeah but you're I said it'll wash then I immediately, I was on the way to the track to race it. I raced a GT500 and went off track with 420 miles. My friends are like, are you crazy? You scratched your Ferrari. You did it. I go, 
I bought this thing to enjoy driving it. That's what it's supposed to be, a driving machine. I did not buy it to hang it on my wall and say, I have a Ferrari. I drove it to rail it. Mm. So the thing is, is that when people, if you look, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't be buying it. And if you can't afford it, when they'd say, what if you wreck it? I said, get a new one because I can afford it. I feel like this is like a separate business tip. No, I'm saying with your employees, like your employees have to see that you're not afraid about the money because you know how to make it. They have to see that and they that can they succeed profit centers and, and there's, there's profit centers and that, yeah. And that you're more interested in everyone going out and, and, and driving it like they stole it and having a great time and, and building their lives around it and doing what they want with it versus all the constraint and friction and resistance, because you want to be a big deal. You want to say, I've got a business that does 5 million or 10 million, but make no money. You can't invest mm -hmm. and you're scared to death that it'll get scratched. Mm -hmm. And and that that keeps And that's how business owners come to us. That's right. That's I don't and that's usually what we help them with. We don't usually find business owners that come to us and go, Man, everything is so perfect and running so well and I'm making so much money. They and usually come help. to us when they're starting to break. So true. Okay. On to number eight. Keep the main thing the main thing. Boom. This is a big one because once you figure out what it is that you're selling, your product, your service, whatever that thing is, like doubling down on that and continuing to press into this is working, we are going to do more of this, we are going to add ad spend to it, we're going to add promotion to it, and just continuing to let that thing roll so that it builds is... I, for me, and I've been learning this, like I wasn't with you when you started Audigy. I don't have context into how that worked, but I will never forget when we were four months into the business and- Cardinal Ventures. Cardinal Ventures, yeah. We're four months into Cardinal Ventures and we hadn't had any additional 10X360 scheduled. And we were going through the budgeting process because it was towards the end of 2019. So we were prepping for 2020. And all of a sudden, like it, crystallized that a 10X360 is really the launching point for so many other things that we're doing. And it's easy to, to get caught up in, oh, we should do this thing or try this thing or so-and-so is doing this and maybe we should do it. But keeping the main thing the main thing creates the success for other areas to have trials, but not getting distracted by making that other thing, the trial, the main thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I learned this back in like 2002 from Hector Lamarck. Okay. Um, he said the number one thing business owners run into trouble with is when they start to get what's defined as success, they start to get bored with it. Mm. And it's about the time you start to get really bored with something that you actually master what you're doing. And it's the explosive, the mm. next iteration is explosiveness because it becomes really easy for people to understand how to do what you've proven works mm. and they do it the way you did it, but you do it through so many more people that it blows up. Mm -hmm. So many people get bored having the main thing be the main thing. They start getting distracted with adding new things and then they bring people into the equation. They're like, well, I don't understand how all this fits and works mm -hmm. versus going deep on the main thing and having it just go so massive. So when we were doing planning, it was like, we're gonna focus. The other thing I learned from him is that the reason in Primerica they do it, he did a meeting every Tuesday and Thursday from seven to eight o'clock is so as more people came, they didn't know how to tell the story, but what they could say is we have a meeting every Tuesday and every Thursday from seven to eight. Mm -hmm. And they knew the address of where the meeting was. Mm -hmm. So it made it really easy. But if the meetings only occurred, 
This is why we scheduled so many 360s, because if the meeting only occurred spontaneously or randomly, mm -hmm. then no one would know what to drive into. Mm -hmm. So it makes it hard. Yep. So we scheduled our 360s. And if nobody shows up, we'll show up. Mm -hmm. And then we push the team to fill those up mm -hmm. because those are the lead indicators for everything that happens after it. So. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's one of these things where creating an algorithm for success is a is a necessity if you want to be big in business and keeping the main thing the main thing and making it easy for other people to succeed. Love that. Okay, we've got two more. The last two. Number nine, regenerate cash flow. You loved this word, regenerate and cash flow. One of the things that we teach in what he's talking about is a 10x 360 event is the idea is the cycle of how your your clients move through your business. And every business can be broken down into these three components: flow, how people come into your business, conversion, how you sell them on whatever product or service offering that you have, and retention, how you keep them and then use them to generate more flow into your business. Yeah, you don't use them, but you created a vehicle where they want to do more with you. So I feel like every once in a while, I will say something like 1% off, like 99% No, I just don't want people to, to, you know, how people will take a snippet of something. I know that your intention would never to say that we use people. I know what you meant to say I is can that hardly wait until people, regenerative, regenerative, regenerating wait. revenue, like having service offers. I can offerings. hardly wait until people take a clip of something that I said and turn it. Like when, when I am that big, when that happens, can't freaking wait. Well, it made me have a thought. Are, are you using me? Oh my gosh. Okay. But this idea of for the my body, okay, for my good looks. Can you smile with those teeth? They're very <laughs> cute. So this idea of regenerating cash flow. How do you take somebody who you already drove into the business, you converted them? Those are the hardest parts. They have a relationship with you. You serve them, but then you double down on that relationship. How else can you serve them? And how else can mm -hmm. you? not use them, but leverage their experience with you so that they can then be an advocate for you in their communities. Yeah, uh, so anybody listening to your show right now, of uh, the 3,800 industries I researched between 2006 and 2017, the most profitable, valuable businesses had 65% of their revenue coming from second and third money from relationships. Say it one more time, because I think it's that important. 65% of the revenues came from relationships with people that did their first money with you a long time in the past. So it's, it regenerates, like like they're spending second, third, fourth, fifth money with you. Like they want to keep the relationship. They want you to continue working with them. Businesses at 65% of their recurring revenue, or 65% of their revenue is recurring revenue. It's long-term revenue with existing clients. Those are the most valuable businesses. So yes, when you start your business, you need to get your first client. But really your intention to create a valuable business is to make sure that that first client you get becomes a third, fourth, fifth, and 10th client forever. And if 65% of your total revenue when you fast forward 10 years is from recurring revenue, from existing clients that keep doing business with you, you're gonna be worth 10X what you're worth if it's all start stop business, single transaction business. It's, it sounds so obvious, but it's something that so many businesses struggle with. And even you just saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what this one particular person that's in our network doesn't understand and why they're struggling. It's because their only focus is just getting new people in the door. And it's it's great if you can figure out how to get new people in the door, but if you don't truly know how to serve them and that becomes how you operate your business, that's what your reputation is. 
and eventually it's, it's going to become harder to get new people in because your reputation always catches up with you. Yeah, it's called churn. When you churn your clients out. Churn. Can you make like a churn movie? Yeah, it's an insurance term, but it's it's churn. Like when you're churning your Isn't clients out. Is it like churning out. milk? They come in, they thing? do transact with you, and then they blow out because your service offerings and your retention offerings suck. But so many business owners are just desperate to start something that they don't actually start from how do I keep everybody I get today. And I'm just, if they just switch that mentality to whatever I do start, it's with the intention of keeping people for life. I want to have a bad, bigger, better service platform. Uh, then you'll serve yourself better because you'll always be talking about clients for life or customers for life or patients for life. Great book by Carl Sewell in the 90s called Customers for Life, Automotive uh, Space in Texas. And if I, they just picked that book up and read it, they'd understand what I was saying. I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, I'm running late to my next Let's meeting. Go. So we have you got one more point. We do have one more point. Hey, the final hammer, point. Should we make him wait? Cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my gosh. Is that energy drink kicking in yet, you mm -hmm. think? Uh, the final point is partnerships. And partnerships and the ability to draft behind somebody who has created success is a game changer. And I think when people hear us say partnerships, we're like, well, you partnered with Grant Cardone, so obviously that's gonna take your business from something small and it's just gonna blow it up massively. What people don't hear in that is how to leverage the partnerships in a community, in a network, in your own environment that would allow you to catapult because you can give them something and they can give you something in return. Oftentimes that can look like promotion. Um, this is what collaborators do on social all the time where there's somebody who isn't well known but might be more successful who pairs with somebody who is uh, well-known but might not be successful and how do you trade and exchange so that the blow-up effect actually takes place instead of you just starting from zero from scratch in 2021 where nobody knows you like leverage the partners that you can create in your own environment yeah I mean first of all grants uh, grant said it himself we're the only partners he's ever had that actually worked out so when people think oh you partnered with Grant Cardone it's easy uh, no it's because we understand that 65% of our future revenue needs to come from people with doing business with today mm -hmm. so we treat them differently the second thing is i think there's two words what i find in business there's two words that are commonly mistaken and misunderstood because of a lack of experience one is partnerships and the other is exit people go i never want to exit my business but they don't understand exiting your business could be exiting the day-to-day -day responsibilities. It could be exiting the pressure of having to make all the decisions. It could be exiting the responsibilities of generating the revenue. Exit can be defined so many different ways. It's not just selling. Mm -hmm. Partnerships is the same word that everyone confuses. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, I, about, I heard partners are bad. Well, what kind of partners are bad? There's so many different ways to construct partnerships, but if you don't understand it and you're not asking the right questions and you're uneducated in the definition of what kind of partnerships you could have because you're not curious um, and you're not talking to the right people, then yeah, partnerships are going to turn out bad because you don't know how to structure partnerships. So I think one of the things I would really encourage anybody watching this or listening to it would be um, if you want to learn the definition of partnerships and you want to understand the definition of exiting, Come check us out. We'll help you understand that. Speaking of coming and checking us out, if you guys have enjoyed this part of the Work Woman podcast, Brian and I do this every single Tuesday live on a show called 10X Owners Live. It's for business owners and leaders who want to grow and scale in 10X. You can check that out. It's at five o'clock every Tuesday and you can uh, register Coast, yeah, for Pacific it. Time. Yes, Pacific time. Thank you for clarifying. 
Uh, you can go to the link cardoventures.com forward slash live to register. It's a totally free show. We've built something. It really, I, I can't believe what that has. 50 shows. Created yeah. for. It's crazy. The community, for us, for the business. And remember uh, the first show had like 22 people. It's totally free. It's free and we are committed yep. to doing this. We've done 50 of them over the last 52 weeks, which shows a significant amount of consistency. Uh, but we would love to have you guys on that show if you guys want to ask specific questions. Uh, that's the place to, to really engage with us. So for every guy listening to this or every uh, lady who's listening to this, I'm going to demonstrate the way you keep everything happy, healthy. And that is to say, I'm sorry, I was interrupting you earlier. I adore you. I love you. I was just trying to be entertaining. Thank you. And you are one of the most brilliant human beings, kindest that I have ever met in my lifetime. Thank you. And you're also very beautiful. Well, thank you. And I can't wait to marry you. Aww. This is a business show. Don't make make me cry. All right, guys. Are you going to change the show name when you do marry me? Is it going to be the Work Dawson? Work Dawson? Work Workson? Gosh, what am I going to do? What are we going to name the show? Keep the show. You deserve it. And we'll figure that out. Thanks for having me on your show. I love you, Thank you for being here.